In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When fishes flew and forests walked and figs grew upon thorn, some moment when the moon was blood, then surely I was born. With monstrous head and sickening cry and ears like errant wings, the devil's walking parody on all four-footed things. The tattered outlaw of the earth of ancient crooked will, starve, scourge, deride me, I am dumb, I keep my secret still. Fools, for I also had my hour, one far fierce hour and sweet. There was a shout about my ears and palms before my feet. That's one of my favorite pieces of poetry. The Donkey by G.K. Chesterton, the same author of the Father Brown series, in which he captures Palm Sunday from the perspective of the donkey that Jesus rode. Now, Matthew's version of Jesus's entry into Jerusalem can be a little confusing because Matthew pluralizes the donkey. Did you notice that in that first gospel reading that we read outside? The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. Why does Matthew do this when none of the other gospel writers do so? Well, some have speculated that's because Matthew wants to tell the story in a way that precisely mirrors the prophecy from Zechariah. As you can see in this gospel reading, Matthew's version of Zechariah is that the Messiah will come mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That argument assumes, however, that Matthew doesn't really understand Jewish poetry, which uses something called parallelism to underscore, to highlight a particular idea, saying the same thing in two or more ways but connecting them with and. But Matthew was an educated Jew, so that argument doesn't really float. Others have suggested that Matthew might be the first Christian biblical literalist, but that really doesn't hold water either since Matthew's gospel is full of metaphor and allegory. Now, the, right, the likely reason that Matthew does this is to present Jesus as the least militaristic, the least kingly, the least imperial of all possible messiahs. Biblical scholar John Dominic Crisson points out that Jesus the Messiah and Matthew the Gospel writer want two animals, a donkey with her little colt beside her, and that Jesus rides them in the sense of having them both as part of his demonstration's symbolism. In other words, Jesus does not ride a stallion or a mare, a mule or a male donkey, and not even a female donkey. 
He rides the most unmilitary mount imaginable, a female nursing donkey with her little colt trotting along beside her. And now Matthew, Mark, and Luke also make a big point of telling us that Jesus approached Jerusalem from the east. And that's important. Matthew tells us in today's reading that when they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, that Jesus sent two of the disciples to get the donkey and the colt from the east. At the time of the Passover, as pilgrims made their way into city for all these ritual observances that were happening, the population of Jerusalem would swell from about 50,000 people to about 200,000 people. We know from secular histories that it was really custom for the Roman governor also to make a militaristic triumphal entrance into Jerusalem, but him with war horses, chariots, weapons. And he did this each year in those days before the Passover just to remind those pilgrims that Rome was still in charge. And because the Passover is a celebration of liberation from imperial Egypt, imperial Rome was pretty uneasy about all those people being in town at the same time. Pilate's procession displayed not only imperial power, but also Roman imperial theology. Because the emperor was not simply the ruler of Rome, but in Roman theology, the emperor was also the son of God. And that Roman garrison that they came from was on the coast. So their approach comes from the west. And so you have two processions coming into Jerusalem really at the same time. One from the west, a Roman army demonstrating imperial might, and the other with Jesus coming from the east, clearly an anti-imperial witness. And Jesus's subversive donkey ride reminded all those waving palm branches that Rome was the new Egypt and the emperor was the new Pharaoh. And obviously that crowd understood what was happening. People began to spread their cloaks on the road for Jesus to ride over like a red carpet into the city. They remembered perhaps the, second, the story in the second book of Kings, which tells how the crowd spread their cloaks on the ground when Yehu was anointed king of Israel. They cut their palm branches and other leafy plants as the Jews did at other celebrations and festivals and strewed them all along Jesus's path. Perhaps they remembered the admonition of Psalm 118. The Lord is God and has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. Well, they must have because they began chanting verses of that same song. Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, we bless you from the house of the Lord. Because that's what Hosanna really means. It's not this shout of exultation, although we have certainly made it one. Hosanna is a prayer for salvation. In Hebrew, Hosanna means save now we pray. In recognizing Jesus as the son of David, 
that crowd shouts the words, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And the others respond, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna. And so the scene becomes set for a clash not only with the authorities of the Jewish people, but also with imperial Rome. The first holy week had begun. And ever since that first holy week 2,000 years ago, we followers of Jesus have been trying to figure out just what to do with it. If we try to take in all the emotions and all the events of the next seven days, we're going to get a spiritual whiplash. But it's a necessary whiplash, I'm afraid. If we just skip from Palm Sunday to Resurrection Sunday, without stopping to ponder those days between, Jesus' last supper with his friends, his night of tormented prayer in the garden, his scourging and crucifixion, the fear and anguish of his disciples and their confusion on finding that empty tomb, then we might misunderstand the whole thing. We might be lulled into believing that the Christian life is just one triumph after another. We might fail to appreciate that triumph often only comes after suffering and death. Palm Sunday is only the opening act of the drama of our redemption. And it takes courage and commitment to enter completely into the fullness of this story. It's so much easier to come today for all the pomp of Palm Sunday and then go about our business for the week, ignoring Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, and then come back in seven days for the beautiful flowers, the bells, and all the rest of that great show on Easter Sunday. But this year, somebody needs to stand by Jesus. Somebody needs to hang in there with him. Somebody needs to stay at his side as he is humiliated, beaten, mocked, and killed. And Holy Week is our annual confrontation with that choice. The donkey had no choice facing her. One far fierce hour and sweet when there were shouts about her ears and palms before her feet. She and her cult had no choice, but we do. Sisters and brothers, if we do not have the courage to stand by Jesus, who will? <laughs>